brother, you live your life in vanity. You're listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio. I'm Father Harry Dean with the Diocese of Austin Restorative Justice Ministry. With me today is Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our coordinator of pastoral care in the Gatesville region for reaching out to those who are incarcerated and those who work in those uh, prison institutions. And with us again, and thankfully, is Renee Brown, our Director of Counseling Services for Catholic Charities of Central Texas. And today, we're going to address a topic that all of us uh, have to address in our lives, uh, sometimes willfully and sometimes not, the topic of grief and grieving. And in St. Matthew's Gospel in the 17th chapter, we hear this, As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is to be handed over to men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were overwhelmed with grief. Renee, when I hear the word grief, it just causes me to pause. And and could you help us understand what grief is, and and perhaps enlighten us and and how we grieve? Oh, sure. So... The definition that that we're given as clinicians for grief is the natural emotional response uh, resulting from a significant loss. And that's usually tied to especially when you've lost um, a loved one via death. Um, And it's important to know that everybody grieves differently. Um, Some people are going to cry. Some people may laugh. Um, Some people are going to throw themselves into work or activities and be busy. Um, And some people may numb themselves to grief. Um, And I want to encourage people that grieving is a natural healing process. And there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. Because this is one of those pieces with mental health, especially, that's very individual, individualistic to the person and how they do that. So the process, mm-hmm. um, I see stages here, um, acute grief being uh, the first one that's mentioned in our cheat sheets that we have here in front <laughs> of us. Um, tell us about that. What is acute grief? So typically, <laughs> uh, normal grief varies greatly, you know, between people, uh, cultures, even in situations. And like I said before, it's a natural process. Um, Sometimes it requires treatment. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, About 10% of people are going to develop different parts of what we call the grieving process. So when we think of acute uh, uh, grief, we think about right immediately after the loss of somebody. And maybe even for for months afterwards, um, it's normal to experience these intense system uh, symptoms of shock or distress or sadness, a poor appetite, sleep trouble, um, or even just lack of being able to concentrate. Um, so it's think of it in terms of almost immediate after someone, after you lose someone, and maybe several months after that you may just experience different um feelings or you may have some some symptoms that seem a little different like you can't sleep you can't concentrate you're more sad than usual or maybe you even um sometimes you just kind of feel shocked like this isn't real 
Um, and sometimes these will diminish over time, and sometimes they may hang on a little longer for other people. In the case of hanging on a little longer, um, how would you describe that in the sense that it's been now several years and I'm still having those feelings? Mm -hmm. So about 10% of of people are going to develop what they call complicated uh, grief. And sometimes it like the acute system uh, symptoms just don't go away. So you develop what they call complicated grief. And this, like you said, Deacon Ronnie, it can last for years. And what kind of happens is it just seems like it's unimaginable that you've lost this person. It can even feel like you're in a dream state. Like you'll tell yourself, I'm going to wake up and this is all going to be okay. Or I'm going to wake up and this person is going to be here. And so it's like a yearning, a deep yearning to have this person who's deceased be back with you. Um, and you may find that in that process, too, you're going to experience maybe a little more guilt. There could be this tremendous guilt. I didn't get to say goodbye. Or or maybe you did, but you didn't feel like it was enough. Or maybe you had some unresolved issues. Or maybe you didn't think you had unresolved issues, but you may create some unresolved issues during this time. There's a lot of overthinking um, that's going on in this stage. Um and it's really challenging to move forward because that guilt is going to hold you back. In the circumstances that we serve in in restorative justice ministry, and certainly in this time of uh, COVID where people are together, you know, we are, our, our folks, our flock is in a grouped together situation day in and day out. Everything they do, eat, sleep, work, the whole bit, they're there together. So um, you guys out there that are listening to us, you know what I'm talking about. You monitor each other. You're sensitive to, to where each other are. But in the grieving process, I think something that makes uh, our flock vulnerable uh, is the um, how come you're not over this yet? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so, yes, there's acute grief. It, it, it rolls into complicated grief. There's this extended period of time. People are different. So a lot of our folks will will hear from their peers, you know, shouldn't you be about over, over this uh, by now? What does it look like when you're, quote, starting to get over it? You know, it looks different for every person. And I don't know if there really is a get over it. You know, in coming here today, I was thinking about the word closure. So many people go to that word closure. And I don't know that there's that there is closure. I think there's less maybe over time. Some of the symptoms um, some of grief will lessen. But I don't know that you can have closure with another human being. You know, um, I was sharing with you all, I lost my a dad a couple of years ago. This past year was harder than the first year. But in my mind, when I think of him because of our relationship and the closeness of it, I mean, that was my best friend, you know, and dad. Can there ever be closure? And I think sometimes people kind of get caught up in, in closure or less. And I don't know that that's possible. I think maybe it can become easier over time, especially um, if you develop some coping skills. And if you do have access, uh, once we hit the complicated grief piece, if there is a way to 
um, engage with a, a therapist, a counselor. Uh, that can be very helpful. And to your statement about those people who say, um, shouldn't you be over this yet? That's really about them and not you. So I'm currently working with a client who's who's dealing with grief from the loss of her father. And that is something that has just been a sticking point in every session that some of her friends and family are like, well, you should be over this. You should be able to move on. And that's really about them and their uncomfortableness in her grief. Uh, I think sometimes when other people don't get what we're going through in that grieving process, they'll make some statements like that. I think they're trying to make uh, an effort of comfort, but yet it, it, it may not be comforting at all to say that. And really, it can be about their uncomfortableness. If you're crying or you're sad a lot, I think people sometimes feel helpless and they don't know what to do. So then it kind of becomes about them. It seems as if, Renee, this void that we all experience with the death of a particularly of a loved one uh, is something that uh, can't be filled, not even by God, that sense that it's still there. And would you even be able to say that uh, it underscores the, the bonds that don't come unraveled at death? Oh, absolutely. I love that. That was I'm going to have to remember that, Deacon Ronnie. I, yeah, I think when we're in relationship with people, death doesn't even unravel the bond that you have with that person. And I think when we, the, the thought of a void, when you lose somebody, there is a void. I always, when I'm talking to kids, especially, I'll think about, we'll draw a picture of a heart, for example. And everybody you love has a piece of your heart. But if one person leaves, you know, through death, you can't replace that with somebody else, right? And it does feel like there's a void there. Um, And yes, definitely the bonds that you have with somebody, even in death, they're not disconnected. You're still bonded to this human being. You just have to think about it maybe in a different way. But that relationship can still be there. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you can reach a point where I'm not in acute grief. Mm-hmm. I've kind of worked through my complicated grief, even though I might not have labeled it that for myself. And I get to a different place where maybe some of this starts to feel like I'm experiencing relief from grief. What what do you describe that as? Integrated grief. I'm, I'm sorry. I may have missed that a little earlier. Um, yeah. Typically, once some of your system, uh, symptoms are getting better, so you see um, you're able to sleep better, maybe your appetite has returned, maybe you're not oscillating anymore from others, and so you're kind of coming to maybe some healing or some, you know, uh, maybe you're um, better in a better place of acceptance that you've lost your loved one. It's an integration process. And so um, in this thing, it talks, uh, one of our uh, definitions here, it talks about, you know, accepting the reality of the loss, but you're also able to return to your normal activities. So, you know, now maybe you'll see yourself um, more productive at work, or maybe you're able to have other relationships um, and still be okay, you know, with the loss of this person. 
The um, so integrated grief uh, kind of brings us to all right. Uh, I hear what you're saying. I've felt these things, um, or I'm one of the people that am observing a friend going through it, and I'm uncomfortable uh, with it. How if I'm if I'm a helper type, you know, if I'm really kind of attentive to somebody in in my cell block or or in my pod uh, in a in a dorm setting or or wherever my life circumstance may be, how do I kind of as the person on the outside looking in get a gauge for where the the person is? And I'm seeing here that we have stages of grief. So mm-hmm. what am I looking for to kind of track through somebody's pathway through the grieving process? Sure. So typically there's five stages of of grief. And in that beginning part of the process, um, it's going to be denial. So when you're engaging with somebody, um, <clears throat> this person may be saying things like, this can't be happening to me. This isn't real. I, I don't want to be a part of this club. My... Um, sister and I were having a conversation that we had had so many friends lose a parent and and we didn't want to be a part of that club. You know, I don't want to be a part of that. And so um, when you're um, engaging with somebody that you're locked up with or a friend or whomever, you'll know what stage because in that beginning of denial, it's going to be um, just this refusal to accept the loss has occurred um, it could be that they're trying to minimize um, or maybe outright deny the situation. You, you, I've heard people say they didn't die. This is this is not real. You know, I didn't lose this person. No, it's not real. Um, and it says it suggested that loved ones and professionals be forward and honest about losses because you don't want to prolong the denial stage. You don't want to get stuck in that stage. You wouldn't want a friend or a cell a cellmate to be stuck there. So for me, always a best policy is to be honest with somebody. You know, I think you're in denial about what's going on. And then it's like, how can I help you? Um, I think a lot of people are put off sometimes when we start something with, I understand how you feel. Because that's impossible. Relationships make it different. We might understand what it feels to lose somebody to death. We may understand, like my best friend and I lost our our fathers a year apart, right? So we both know what it's like to lose a father. But it's completely different because she had a completely different relationship with her dad than I did with my dad. And so it's not the same. And so sometimes when we offer those statements, we're doing it out of care and comfort, but it can create resentment on the part of the person who's experiencing the loss. So I always find the helpful thing to say is like, how can I help you? Do you want to talk about this? And then try not to be so judgmental. The second part of the stage of grief is anger. And I don't know too many people uh, inside of counseling and outside that do not have this piece of the experience. Most people are very angry that they've lost their loved one. They're often angry at God. They're angry at doctors. They can be at the person sometimes like, why did you leave me? Um, My daughter was sharing with me two years after losing her grandpa, who she just loved and adored. She's now feeling that anger with him. And then she was upset that she felt anger with him. But 
anger is something that you're definitely going to recognize. And it could be, why is this happening to me? One of her statements was, how could he leave me? How could he abandon me? And I'm kind of looking at her. I'm like, well, he didn't mean to. You know what? I mean, it wasn't a purposeful thing, but definitely that's where she was at in the process. Um, When the individual realizes that this loss has occurred, this is real, this person's gone, they may find themselves angry at themselves or others, and they may feel like this is unfair as well. And, and those were some of the things that she had shared. She felt abandoned. She felt like it wasn't fair, you know. So she was definitely caught up <clears throat> in the anger part of the process. The next thing you may notice in the grieving process from, from somebody um, that you're around is they're going to begin to bargain, okay? And in bargaining, what will happen is the individual may try to change or delay the loss, for example, they may try to convince a partner to return. Uh, well, this is more like a breakup, but you would want them to come back. In death, people will try to bargain. They'll talk to God sometimes. I will do anything to change this, God, if you'll just bring this person back to me, right? We're going to bargain. We're going to negotiate. Or they'll say to their friend or, even you know, wherever they're at, I would do anything to get them back. What can I do to get them back? And we know realistically— we can't, but we will We will engage in that thinking because we're desperate to have this human being back. Um, and then you'll often uh, observe people entering into the phase of depression. And for some people, it can just be sadness. And for some people, it can go full-blown depression. So it can look a little different for people. But um, at this point, it's like, what's the point of going on after the loss? It's like, you know, what is my life about without this person? And so at this stage of depression, the individual has come to realize that the loss has occurred. I can't get this person back. There's no bargaining. Um, And so you may find this person oscillating a lot, crying, grieving. Um, My niece was sharing. So in our family, my dad was just this great guy, y'all. Like he was very beloved. So literally a few days ago, my niece was sharing with me. She goes, Aunt Nay, I'm not engaging with my friends as much. And I'm not getting out. I'm staying home a lot. And she goes, and I'll just sit here and watch TV. And then I don't even know what I've watched afterwards, right? And so we talked about she's in a stage of depression. And and this is due to the passing of my father. We know where it's coming from. But it was helping her to see that maybe she might want to engage in some counseling you know, and then just giving her some tips like, you you know, get out and exercise, make yourself get out and engage with people. But, you know, if your cellmate has lost somebody and you see that maybe they're crying a lot and maybe they're oscillating, you know, maybe they're just wanting to stay in their cell all the time. Maybe they don't want to engage with others. Um, this is probably where they're at in the process. They've hit that stage of depression. Towards the end of the process, what you're going to see is acceptance. And that's the piece where you're like, it's going to be okay. And this is when the person accepts their loss. This person's not coming back. This is going to be my experience. And they're able to maybe think of it in a more logical way than opposed to that emotional piece. So... 
You're listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio. This is Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin in the Restorative Justice Ministry with Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our coordinator of pastoral care for the Gatesville region and serving our incarcerated and uh, the officers and staff. And, of course, always with us, Renee Brown, our director of counseling for Catholic Charities of Central Texas. And we're working our way through just beginning to uh, talk about the uh, art, if you will, of uh, grief and and grieving and and uh, she's just uh, taken us through some of the the stages of of grief reaching uh, acceptance and uh, Deacon Ronnie you want to move us into the the second part here the tasks of mourning yes Renee is is there seems to be uh, quite a bit of work that's now on the table with the loss of a loved one or or just a change of our uh, our own life's uh, uh, path uh, could you lay out for us some some perhaps an orderly way in which we can move through uh, these tasks of mourning? Sure. This was an interesting piece of information I found. In working with clients, I don't think I've ever worked through the task of mourning. Um, So this was something new. I thought it was such great information to share with people. Um, I've shared with you all, I have a client that's experiencing grief and loss right now. So this is something that we've worked on. And so one of the things it talks about is people, you know, when somebody's uh, passed away after death, you know, you're faced with all this grief. And now you're looking essentially to developing a new world without this person. You know, for me not to be able to call my dad during football season and discuss statistics and UT or the Aggies and whoever. I mean, this was a hard thing because this was one of our, our favorite things to do. Um, but the mourning process is that way of adapting to the loss through the completion of four tasks. And so um, one of the things to, that, to remember is that uh, when you're adapting to a loss, it doesn't mean you're forgetting. We're still going to remember this person. We just are, are kind of adapting and making some changes in our life. So... Um, One of the things that you can look at is actually task number one is to accept the reality of the loss. Um, And and that means like try not to deny the loss, try not to minimize it like, oh, I'm going to be okay. You know, I had a good 50 years with this person. No, this is significant. Honor that. This is this is a big thing to lose somebody that you love, that you had relationship with. And so to complete this part of the task, the reality of the loss must be accepted intellectually and emotionally. So what that can look like is, you know what? I'm not going to have Christmas dinner with dad. I'm not going to celebrate Thanksgiving with mom or my wife. It's really looking at things kind of in a common sense view, right? You are not going to have these situations with this person anymore. I can't call them up on a Sunday and say, hey, how you doing? And Or go to maybe their home and have Sunday dinner. So it's really accepting the reality of the loss. You know, all the things that connected to you to this person are no longer there. Task number two is processing that pain of grief. So just like we talked a few minutes ago about the stages of grief, you want to engage in the stages of grief. Um, Grief involves painful emotions. There is sadness. There is anger. There is guilt. uh, Even body pain. 
you know, there's body pains that come along with grief. And it can be tempting to avoid these feelings, to kind of push them down and not deal with them. But when you bury things and don't face them, this is how we can end up in a cycle of anxiety or or depression. And so you really want to work on um, just facing those feelings. Um, and, And with grief, it means confronting emotions. It means naming emotions. It means making sense of your emotions. I am angry. You know, it's saying, it's confronting it. I am angry. I'm, I'm mad that he's gone or she's gone, you know, and naming it. I'm angry because I don't get to spend any more time with them. I'm angry because we're not going to go on our family trip this summer or all the things that are attached to this person. Name it and confront it. And then task number three is adjusting to your world without the deceased. Um you know, the death of a loved one brings about a lot of life changes, some I've just mentioned, and they can they can range from just daily routines um, to adoption of a whole new world. You know, when I think of daily routines uh, for my mom, one of the things that she had shared with us that she missed was my dad would make coffee the night before, and then in the morning he would bring her a cup of coffee, and she didn't have that anymore. He kissed her every day told her he loved her every day. She was the most beautiful woman in the world. When that was gone, that was a daily routine for her to hear that, engage with him. They had certain routines. Those were gone. So her worldview had to change. Uh, What's really sweet is she lives with my um, sister and brother-in-law. My brother-in-law makes coffee at night. And they leave it, you know, he goes to work in the morning, so he can't bring her the coffee, but he'll put it on the night before so it's ready in the morning. So sometimes we have to change our worldview. We're going to have to make internal adjustments about our own identity. You know, who am I now without this person? Uh, That was a hard one for me just because my dad was my best friend. This is the person I called you know, when I needed to talk or I needed help or how, what do I, should I do? Or even silly stuff like, well, I need to check the oil in the car. Like and on the new car, I don't know what to do. You know, I couldn't call him. So it's making those internal adjustments and external adjustments, you know, new roles, new skills. Um, it could be childcare, cooking, or like I said, like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do the some, certain things on this car now. Where before I would have called him and said, Dad, this is what it looks like. Oh, will you do this? Or bring me your book. I'll help you go through it. Well, he's not there. I have to figure this out for myself. And then spiritual adjustments too, um, you know, changes to your beliefs, to your values, to your just your assumptions about the world. Um, for example, when somebody passes away, often our worldview is that it's not fair. You know, it's not fair that this person is is taken away from me. Um, and so you may need to reaffirm uh, or modify or replace your worldview. Um, sometimes when I tell people about the feeling I had at the moment when I knew my father died, they're always shocked. Because for me, he was really struggling and suffering with health issues at the end of his life. And so in the moment, I knew he, I knew he passed away, and I felt this feeling of, happiness because I knew he wouldn't be suffering anymore. So my worldview compared to like my sisters or or my children, it's just a little different because I would rather him not suffer, you know, here on earth anymore the way he was. 
Um, so just knowing that maybe some of those spiritual adjustments will need to take place. And then task number four is find a way to remember the deceased while you're moving forward. And like we said, it doesn't mean you forget them. It's just you're moving forward. What can you do a little different? And this can this can work in many ways. Part of this is tied to like um, memories, cherishing memories. How do I move forward? So one of the things that we're doing with my mom, her and my dad has some places where they wanted to travel. And so um, she takes a picture wherever she's going. She takes my dad with her, so to speak. And then she takes a picture of her with his picture at these different places. Um, I know in my house, I have just this little thing set up and it's got um, a card I'd given him and some souvenirs, things he kept, his Bible with a, a watch I gave him. It's all together on a little table, just like a little small memorial to him. And and I will remind myself of things I want to do in the future and how I'm taking him with me. We uh, have come to the conclusion of our time for today in this uh, first session on grief and grieving. Uh, when we start up with our next session, we'll address how to deal with grief when you can't say goodbye and also what you need during a time of grief. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Brother, if you walk with me, Brother, will you walk with me?